You're listening to the podcast of Christ Walk Church in Fernandina Beach, Florida, where we exist to inspire people to follow Jesus every day. We hope that these messages encourage and challenge you to live for something more. If you'd like to know more about our church, you can find us online at thechristwalk.com. Thanks again for listening. Now here's today's message. How is everybody doing today? So good to be with all of you this morning. Those of you watching with us online, We're glad that you're here too. Thanks so much for tuning in and joining us. If you got a Bible, you got a smart device, um, why don't you turn with me actually in a couple places. uh, Turn with me or swipe with me. We're going to be in the Old Testament. We're going to take a look at a verse in Proverbs chapter 24. And then we're also going to take a look at a verse out of Galatians, Paul's letter to the church in Galatia chapter 6. So Proverbs 24 and then Galatians 6. We'll land there momentarily. Um, I recently heard a story about a woman, and it was Sunday morning, and the story goes something like this. As was her usual routine on a Sunday morning, a wife got ready for church. She got up, she had breakfast, she showered, got dressed, put on makeup, and was ready to go. It was just as she was ready to leave, though, that she noticed that her husband was still in his robe and his pajamas, And so she asked him, what's going on? I'm not going to church, he said. What do you mean you're not going to church? Give me one good reason why you are not going to church. And her husband replied, I'll give you three good reasons why I'm not going to church. Number one, the church feels cold. Number two, no one there likes me. And number three, I just don't like it there much either. Is that good enough? wife said, well, what if I give you three reasons why you should go to church? Number one, the church is actually quite warm and friendly. Number two, there's a couple people there who actually like you. And number three, you're the pastor, so you should probably get dressed (laughs) and get to church. Anybody in the room ever felt like giving up? Anybody in the room ever had that experience where things are just not going the way that you thought they were going to go? It's not what you hoped it would be, and you've tried, and you've tried, and you've tried, but you've just come to the place where I just can't go on anymore. Perhaps once upon a time you had a goal or a dream or a vision. Maybe you started out, you hit some resistance. You stalled in your efforts, and then after a time of making little to no progress, you became discouraged and eventually threw in the towel. I'm sure if we're honest, most of us can identify with the pattern that I've just described. Maybe you found yourself in the middle of a broken relationship, and despite all of your efforts to bring about restoration, it ended up worse off than when you started. Or maybe you've been fighting for your marriage, but you're starting to run out of fight. Maybe you've been trusting God and believing for a miracle. Maybe for the life of your child or for your finances or in your health or for deliverance from an addiction. The list could go on and on and on. And despite your prayers, despite your belief, you're barely hanging on. You've tried. You've prayed. You've believed, but that's only led you to end up discouraged. You're quickly beginning to lose hope. If that speaks to you today, then this message is for you. 
Today we're wrapping up a series that we've called The Ways of the Wise, where we've been taking a look at what the Bible teaches us about living successful and fulfilled lives. And all the way back in part one, we talked about making wise decisions and the importance of deciding now how we are going to behave later. The formula that we've been working with looks something like this. When I am faced with blank, I will blank. So we decide ahead of time, whenever this particular situation arises, we've determined ahead of time how we are going to respond to it. And we make these kinds of decisions based on our values. We know that our decisions will determine our direction, and our direction will ultimately determine our destination. And over the course of this series, we've considered together how we can arrive at six specific destinations in order to become people who are prepared, people who are devoted, people who are generous, people who are faithful, people who are consistent, and finally, people who are finishers. And so for the remainder of our time today, I want to zoom in on that idea or that topic of finishing what we start. Finishing what we start. Here's the truth. Starting is the easy part. It's the finishing that is difficult. And perhaps you've heard somebody try to encourage you in that capacity and and try to flip that on its head and say something like, uh, the journey of a thousand miles begins with the first step, right? You've heard people say that. It's been like on an inspirational poster in your doctor's office or something. The journey of a thousand miles begins with the first step. Yeah, but there's a thousand miles after that. Like, I can do this all day long, but a thousand more miles beyond that, I don't know that I'm prepared. I like what John Acuff says in his book, Finish. Is it going to be on the screen? (laughs) Maybe not. He says, if chasing, there we go, if chasing a dream was easy, it would be called eating queso. (laughs) Can I get a witness? He says, starting is fun, but the future is for finishers. And so my my question for you to begin with here is, is, what do you think it is that separates average people from amazing people? Or fulfilled people from empty people? Or successful people from struggling people? I I know what it's not. It's, It's not intelligence. It's not appearance, it's not talent, it's not education, it's not your, your, your network. We talked about some of that last week. But I think perhaps what it could be is simply perseverance. That those people that, that move from average to amazing, it's simply because they persevered. Those that say that, that their lives are fulfilled, it's simply because they persevered in whatever they were doing. Those, those that move from struggling to successful is that they just kept going. They just persevered. Perseverance is a drive to finish. It's a refusal to quit. And and Proverbs 24 talks about perseverance. In verse 16, it says, the godly may trip seven times, but they will get up again. But one disaster is enough to overthrow the wicked. The godly may trip. They may fall down seven times, a whole bunch, but they will get up again. That's perseverance. 
Paul talks about perseverance in Galatians uh, chapter 6, verse 9. He says, so let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Day one of me being the pastor of Christ Walk Church, February 5th, 2018, I sat at my desk in the office over there, and I wrote that verse on a piece of paper. And I still have it. It's still um, in a little thing on my desk. And from time to time, I pull that out and I read it. And can I tell you that over the past five years, that that has proven true time and time and time again? That when I'm having a bad day, or when things aren't going the way that I thought they were going to be or going, or, or the way that I hoped that they would go, and everything, and when, when I'm just struggling, trying to figure out how to pastor people and lead a church, I'll pull that verse out and I'll read it over and over and over. And that... That leads to, I think back at some of the worst moments that I've had as the pastor of Christ's walk over the past five years. But I think, I, I think about that in, in light of this verse right here. And, and then we have mornings like today take place. And, and it makes it all worth it. This, it proves true time and time again. If we, not, if we won't get tired of doing what is good, if we'll just keep going. We may slip and fall seven times, but the godly, we're going to pick ourselves up, we're going to dust ourselves off, and we're going to keep moving forward. And if we do that, then at the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing. It's simply based on our perseverance. And much in keeping with the concept of these two passages is the author named Angela Duckworth, who in her book, Grit, The Power of Passion and Perseverance, she defines grit as Strength of character that refuses to quit. And here's what she says in that book. She says, enthusiasm is common, but endurance is rare. Enthusiasm is common, but endurance is rare. So what you need to understand from, from the, the beginning here is that we're not just talking about passion or excitement towards accomplishing something. Because it's, it's more than just being on board It's more than just being in alignment. It is a decision from the onset, from the very beginning, that I'm going to follow through no matter what. So if you're taking notes, maybe you want to write this down. It's our big idea for today. Simply something that I hope that every single one of us could could say truthfully, the way that we would live our lives, the way that that we would uh, pursue Jesus Christ is that when I commit, I will not quit. When I commit, I will not quit, period. There's a passage in the New Testament where the Apostle Paul is writing to his spiritual son and protege, Timothy. A little context about this passage before we read it. Um, The Roman Emperor Nero has sentenced Paul to be beheaded. And Paul is awaiting execution in a deep dungeon underground. And this dungeon is, is little more than a dark and disgusting sewage drain. And, and, and as a result of the conditions, many of the captives that were held there actually died prior to their execution. I mean, just deplorable conditions. And just days before he is to be beheaded, Paul pins these words to his protege, Timothy. He says, don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. 
work at telling others the good news, and fully carry out the ministry that God has given you. As for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race, and I have remained faithful. With some of his last words, Paul is simply reminding Timothy that though his own race was over, Timothy still had further to run. He's saying to Timothy, just because I'm finished doesn't mean that you are as well. And and I believe that those words, they're not just a reminder to Timothy. I believe that they serve as a reminder to all of us today. Don't be discouraged. Don't throw in the towel. If you're not dead, it's because God's not done with you yet. If you still have breath in your lungs, there's still more for you to accomplish. There's still more love for you to give. There's still more people for you to reach. There's still more ministries for you to start. There's still more content for you to create. There's still more friendships for you to make. There's still more hope for you to share. There's still more addictions to be broken. There's still more demons to be cast out. There's still more lives to be set free. And for those of us who have placed our hope and trust in Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior, we aren't satisfied with what we can simply see right in front of us because we have decided ahead of time that we are going to live for something more. So as long as we are still breathing, take heart and hold on to hope and just keep going because God still has more in store for you. The sad part is that some of us hear that and we think, I don't think I can take anymore. Like I'm overwhelmed as it is. Maybe you're feeling that way today. Maybe you're drowning in a sea of to-do lists and deadlines. Consider what author David Allen writes in his book, Getting Things Done. He says this, much of the stress that people feel doesn't come from having too much to do. It comes from not finishing what they started. So take a quick self-assessment right now. What have you started that remains unfinished? I'm not talking about that one show on Netflix. I'm talking about the things that God has called you to do. Consider what John the Revelator writes to the church in Sardis. Revelation chapter 3, he says... I know all the things you do and that you have a reputation for being alive, but you are dead. Wake up, strengthen what little remains, for even what is left is almost dead. I find that your actions do not meet the requirements of my God. Now that right there, do not meet the requirements. The the Greek in the root there is actually the word plerao which means to complete or fulfill or make perfect. And so what what the the author here is saying, what the Lord is speaking to the church in Sardis, he's saying is that that you have no plerao, you have no completion, you have no fulfillment, You you are imperfect in your efforts. It's kind of like when maybe you've received an assignment back from a teacher before, Maybe a paper that you wrote or something that you turned in and it had the word or the letters I-N-C at the top of it, you know, circled in a red pen. 
What that means is that the assignment was incomplete. It means that, that somewhere along the lines you didn't fall, follow the directions or you failed to meet the guidelines or that there's still more work that needs to be done. And so I ask you today, what, what's your unfinished business? Where have you not met the requirements for the things that God has called you to do? Maybe it's in, in working to heal a broken relationship, or maybe it's sharing your faith with a neighbor or a coworker, or giving financially what God told you to give, or, or finishing your degree, or joining a life group, or writing a book, or starting a ministry, or apologizing to someone you offended, or launching a new business, or losing a few pounds. Whatever it is, consider what is that unfinished business that you need to attend to, that unfinished business that God has called you to complete, that at this point does not meet his requirements. Consider the words of the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. He says, here's my advice. It would be good for you to finish what you started a year ago. Last year, you were the first who wanted to give, and you were the first to begin doing it. Now, you should finish what you started. And maybe you're here this morning, and, and, and you're, you're wondering to yourself, why does it even matter if I quit? Like, why do you care? Why does anyone care? I mean, it's me, it's my life, and it's what I do. It's not affecting anyone else. Why does it matter if I quit? The reason it matters is because every decision that you and I make is a vote toward our future. And whenever we decide to quit, what we're doing is we're voting that we simply don't have what it takes. But yet when we choose to stand firm and when we don't back down and we persevere, what happens is, is that we're voting that we are a finisher and that when we commit, we will not Later this year, Sarah and I, in September, we're going to celebrate 19 years of marriage. It's mostly a testament to her um, than it is to me. Uh, I'll, I'll be honest. We have a great marriage. We really do. But it's not perfect. We enjoy each other's company. But sometimes we get on each other's nerves. It's mostly me getting on her nerves. Most of the time, we see things eye to eye, but sometimes we don't. And I'd like to be able to tell you that the past 19 years that we've been together have been all sunshine and rainbows, but I can't do that because that would be a lie. And in those seasons of difficulty that we've experienced over the years, there were, there were a handful of times when it would have been easily justifiable for either one of us to throw in the towel but we didn't. And one of the main reasons that we didn't is because we decided ahead of time before we ever walked down the aisle and stood in front of the minister and the witnesses there at Gate City United Methodist Church, before we were ever there, we decided that divorce was not an option. In fact, we don't even use that word in our home or in our relationship. And, and I talk to couples all the time who have been married 30, 
40, 50, 60 plus years. David and Kathy Crisp are coming up on 50 here in just a few weeks. What an, what an incredible testimony of God's faithfulness in a relationship like that. I talk to those couples all the time, and I ask them, what's your secret? And though their answers may differ slightly, the, the concept is always the same. It's that we just refuse to give up, and we found a way to make things work, no matter what. And, and so I, I want to I help some people today. So if, if you don't hear anything else that I say for the rest of this message, I, I, I want you to at least hear this. And, and maybe some of you, you need to write it down. You need to get out your phone. You need to put it in a place where you will remember this. Some of you need to go home and you need to print this out on a note card and stick it on your mirror or on the refrigerator or on the dashboard of your car or whatever. Because this, the, the next sentence that I'm about to say is, is going to change someone's life, has the power to change someone's life. When it comes to marriage or anything in life, here's what we need to understand right here. Is that quitting is only an option if you make it one. Quitting is only an option if you make it one. See, this creates a mindset and an attitude when, when we choose to, to not have quitting at, be an option. It, it creates an attitude and a mindset that's different from the rest of the world. Because when you take quitting off the table, what it does is it forces you to find a different solution. Because as long as quitting is on the table, well, that's going to be the first solution that we go to. But if quitting isn't an option, well, we got to start to be creative now. we got to figure this out in a different way. That when adversity and difficulty come my way, you may see me struggle, but you ain't going to see me quit. You might see me have to grit my teeth and bear down and dig in. There may be some sweat. There may be some blood. There may be some tears. But there will not be me ringing the bell. It's not going to happen. Because when I commit, I will not quit because I am a finisher. That's what God has called us to. Acts 20, 24. We read this. But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. See, there was a reason that, that Paul was able to write to Timothy and says, uh, to, to say, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race. There was a reason that Paul was able to finish his race. There was a reason that when he faced setbacks and challenges and obstacles and opposition and persecution and pain, there was a reason that he could run that race even harder. Paul was able to finish his race because he came to the realization that he wasn't running it for himself. He said, my life is worth nothing unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus Christ. Some of y'all got an off assignment. That's what's, that's what's going on in your life. That's why you're having such a difficult time. It's because you moved from God's assignment and you started working on something else. That's why you find it so difficult to keep going. It's because you've started working on an assignment that the Lord never, ever gave to you. 
See, Paul had discovered what it truly meant to live for something more. Because if you choose to quit what God has called you to start, then ultimately what you're doing, whether you realize it or not, ultimately what's happening is you're considering something else more valuable than running God's race. You're considering something else more valuable than what what he's called you to do. Paul said that he considers his life worth nothing. That included his personal comfort. That included his net worth. That included his reputation. That included his hopes and his dreams. But this is the conclusion that Paul came to, Philippians 1.21. He says this. He says, "For, for to me, living means living for Christ, and dying is even better. Another translation says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. That's the conclusion that Paul had come to. And so then the question becomes for all of us, how do we finish the race that God has called us to run? How do we finish the race that God has called us to run? So if you're taking notes, write these down. It's going to be two things. The first one is take the next step. Take the next step. I've got good news for you today. You don't have to finish your race today. But you do have to take the next step. You don't have to finish it. It doesn't have to be completed today. But you do have to take the next step. Consider Jesus' final words on the cross. He said, it is finished, right? Those were his final words. That's where it ended, but that's not where it started. It began with anguish in the Garden of Gethsemane where he prayed, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. It continued with the hatred of those that he had come to the world to save, shouting, crucify, yet he kept on loving them. They later struck him on the face, and he turned the other cheek. He fell while carrying the cross, but he stood back up, and he he was able to make it all the way to Calvary. And as he hung on the tree, they even cursed him, and he forgave yet again. At each and every juncture, Jesus just took the next step until he arrived at the place that he was able to say, it is finished. And don't get it twisted. It's not because it's what he wanted to do. It wasn't easy. It wasn't enjoyable. But he knew that it was necessary because it was the race that his father had called him to run. Jesus made it to the cross for you and for me simply by taking the next step. Because he had made a commitment. It's not my will. It's your will to be done. And because he had commit, he would not quit. So because of Jesus and because of his example, you and I, we can pray another prayer. We can make another call. We can give another gift. We can send another email. Because of Jesus and his example, we can run another mile. We can memorize another verse. We can take another lesson. We can make it through another meeting. Because of Jesus and his example, we can believe again. We can forgive again. We can dream again. And we can be confident that the best for us is still yet 
to come. So that when we commit, we will not quit. We decide now that no matter what obstacle, no matter what hurdle stands in our way, that we are going to take the next step. The question is, for some people, what happens if you can't? What happens if you find yourself in that place that you just can't? There, there's some people here this morning that are at church, at least this church, for the first time. There's also a good chance that there's someone here at this church, maybe for the last time, that this morning when they woke up, as they were getting themselves out of bed, in the midst of all the praying and all the struggle and all the, all the asking questions and the doubting and the fear and everything, they said, okay, God, fine, I'll give you one last shot. So they got ready, and they came, and they showed up. I hope it's not the end for them. I hope it's not their last shot, but it, at least in their mind when they walked in those doors, this was their last time in church. If God didn't speak, if God didn't move, if God didn't change their situation, then they were going to turn around, walk the other way, and never come back. What happens when you find yourself in that position? What happens if you can't take the next step? It reminds me of the 1992 Barcelona Olympics, where an athlete by the name of Derek Redman, a British runner, was competing in the men's 400-meter sprint. In the middle of the race, he pulled his hamstring, and it didn't appear that he would finish. But then this happened. Check it out. <laughs>
just for the record, I did not make that video. <laughs> We're going to run God's race. We have to take the next step. But when we feel like we can't, we have to, number two, realize that we never run alone. Derek Redmond, he had put in the time, he put in the effort, he'd made the sacrifices, he'd gotten up early, he'd stayed up late, gotten his nutrition right, he'd gone to the track day after day after day, he'd been in the gym day after day after day, months after month after month, year after year after year training for that one moment only to have it end the way that it did. In that moment, as the world looked on, he was singled out for the thing that had happened, the thing that made it seem like he was going to be unable to complete the race, that his father comes out of the stands and picks him up. His father says, I, I, I see you. I've been right there beside you the whole way. I've, I've seen all of the things that you've gone through. I've seen all of the effort that you have put in, and we're going to finish this race together. So we've got to realize that we never run alone and that when we stumble and fall, when we feel like we can't go on one more step, that's when our father comes out of the stands and he reaches down and he picks us up. And all of the naysayers that said it wasn't possible, he does just like Derek Redmond's dad and he shoes them away. He says, no, I'm there. I'm his father. I'm her father. I've got this. And he gets them out of the way, and he keeps his son's attention. He keeps his child, child's attention on the finish line that is in front of them. Paul writes in, in Philippians 1.6, he says, And I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished. On the day when Christ Jesus returns. Why is it that people quit? Why do they quit on their marriage? Why do they quit on their ministry? Why do they quit on their goals? Why do they quit on God? It's because they consider quitting to be an option. But the godly know that even though they may trip seven times... They will get up again. It may not always be easy. It may not always make sense. We may find ourselves in the middle of a struggle, but we will not quit. When we feel like we can't take one more step, we will choose to rest in the arms of our Heavenly Father and draw from His strength. Because we know that he will never leave us or forsake us. So we can trust that in those moments, you and I, we are not running alone. So let's make the call now. Along with the ways of the wise. Let's decide beforehand that we're going to commit to being people who are prepared. People who are devoted people who are generous, people who are faithful, people who are consistent, and that when we commit, we will not quit because we are finishers. Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, I thank you for the example of your word, for its truths and its principles. Lord, I thank you that even in the most difficult and arduous moments of life, that your word promises us that you are right beside us every step of the way, that you will never leave us, you will never forsake us. And God, I pray right now for the person who has drifted away from the calling that you have placed on their life. Some have already thrown in the towel. Some are giving it serious consideration. Some just cannot see a way forward from their current circumstance. God, I pray that you would reach down from heaven and that you would touch their heart today. Lord, that you would help them to see that it's not about them and what they can do, but it's about you and what you've already done. That, Lord, if you've called us to something, you've also made a way. So, God, I pray that you would help us to be finishers. That you would help us to return to the things that we've committed to. Lord, that we would honor you by the way that we live. And the way that we act on those commitments. God, that to the things that we have committed to the things that we've promised you, Lord, that we wouldn't quit, but instead that we would be finishers. I pray for a new strength in the hearts and lives of your people today. Lord, new power through a fresh anointing of your Holy Spirit. Lord, for them to take the next step. And that when they feel like they can't, that they would remember they do not run alone. In Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Christ Walk Church podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on future episodes. To find out more information about Christ Walk Church, including our service times, how to connect with us on social media, and the ministry opportunities we have for you and your family, simply visit our website at thechristwalk.com. Thanks again for listening, and don't forget, because of Jesus, the best is yet to come.